especially those of you that are visiting with us. We appreciate it. Have a lot to go over. When we only have one thing, it's hard to get everything. This was laying up here. Is this Alicia Bear? Somebody know what this note is? I didn't hear. So this was from last week. It was just laying here. Okay. I have several announcements. Carol Galloway will be having a procedure to get her heart back in rhythm. Tomorrow at St. Mary's, keep Carol and Clinton in your prayers. Debbie Townsend, Chris's mother, surgery went well on Tuesday. We put Debbie's address in today's bulletin. Send her a card this week if you could, please. Dr. Friday asked uh, for prayers for her sister who has been diagnosed with leukemia and lymphoma. She resides in Mississippi. Charlie Bozo has upcoming appointment with vascular surgeon. Continue to pray for Destiny, Denise, Spears, Alan Brown, and Glenn Earl that are dealing with COVID at this time. Remember to keep Kristen and Rusty in your prayers as they continue cancer treatments also. This week, uh, Bub Wilson met with the elders and asked to be rebaptized, and that was taken care of on Thursday. Sharon Leffingwell passed away this week. Keep her family in your prayers. Also, we extend our love and sympathy to Yvonne Cornell at the passing of her daughter, Amy Talbert, and to Rennie, her husband, Amy's husband. Graveside service was held yesterday in Wayne. Yvonne and Rainey's address have been put in the bulletin. Keep, in your, keep Yvonne in your prayers. Which way do the clocks go next Sunday morning? <laughs> Correct. Not backwards, forward. Also, Pam just uh, told me that the food distribution will be tomorrow at 1.30. All the volunteers, if you could be here by 1.30, the truck will be here with food and help to distribute all of that. If you haven't picked up a bulletin sheet, please do so as you leave this morning for more information and others listed in need of our continued prayers. Also, if you have information or names to be added to our prayer list, please call the office and let them know. Messages can also be put on the answer machine. Also, it was mentioned in, in our elders' meeting Thursday with the availability of vaccine and as more and more get it. I think this is our 52nd week that we thought would only be two weeks of interruption with services, but be looking forward to doing more as the governor says we're getting closer, so we have talked about doing more 
in service, with the service, and as more and more of us, Mary and I got our shot this week, uh, are able to take the shots and, and, and as this situation hopefully reverses itself. I'm not a fan of the new normal. I like the old normal better. <laughs> I don't want to hear new normal. I don't want things to have to change to where somebody tells us when we can be here and when we can't be here. Before we begin this morning, I'd like to read Proverbs 3, 3 through 6, if you'd like to follow along. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Would you bow with me please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. We're thankful for your son that came and died for us. Father, we're thankful that we're able to worship today in spirit and in truth. And we pray that the things we do in accordance with your will and pleasing unto you. We're thankful for all of our many blessings, for the land in which we live, for the community in which we live. We ask your blessings on the Leffingwell family at the passing of Sharon. Be with Yvonne at the passing of her daughter. Give her strength and courage and pray that she looks to you for guidance and help. We ask your blessings on all of our others that have been mentioned this morning, that you bless them and, and, and in the efforts being used this week to help them for better health. We ask that you go with us through this service. Forgive us when we sin. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. Would you stand for the first song? Hold on. Somebody said Jerry? I'm sorry. Stand for the first song, please. Thought I heard something. I am. I'm getting elderly. <laughs> Let's start this morning with number 111. 111, come we that love the Lord, or we're marching to Zion. Come we that love the Lord and let our joy be known. Join in a song with me, accord. Join in a song with me, accord. And thus around the throne, and thus around the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those be you to sing who never knew our God. 
Please be seated. Our next song is on the overhead only. It's the Greatest Commands. After this, Jeremy Miller will have our reading and prayer. Alto, bass, tenor, soprano, and we will do all parts together and in addition to Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Will you pray with me, please? Father, we come to you this morning. We are truly thankful for all you've given us, all you've done for us. Thankful for the beautiful day, for the opportunity we have once again to, to worship. We ask, Father, your, our worship be pleasing to you this morning. We hope that everything we say, everything we do, uh, everything that we're involved in, Father, is in accordance with your will, pleasing to you. Father, we're thankful for, uh, for the church here and for what it means to us. We're thankful, Father, for the, the family that we are the love that we share. We're thankful for our physical family, for the many material gifts, blessings that we have for our homes and for our jobs, for clothing, vehicles. Everything we have, Father, is a gift from you and help us to find a way, find a way to serve you with it and serve those around us. Help us to be an example each day, make the right decisions. We ask, Father, for your strength where we're weak, your forgiveness when we sin. We're mindful, Father, of many, uh, many of our loved ones, many on the prayer list here, uh, many of our friends, our family who are struggling, uh, many with depression, many with grief, uh, many with their physical health. And we ask, Father, your blessings on, on each of them. Uh, grant them the strength, the courage, the comfort, the wisdom that they need, Father, to come to, to make it through each day. Just help us to do what we can to help them as well, to be an encouragement to them, uh, do all we can to, to meet their needs. And Father, we're thankful for, for all that you've given us. Uh, and we're thankful, Father, most of all for the spiritual gifts that we have, uh, many that we have uh, through your word, uh, through the plan that you have for us, through your son most of all. We're thankful, Father, for his death. We pray as we remember that. Here in a few minutes, Father, that you, you guide our hearts and our minds. Uh, may what we do, may what we think be pleasing to you in that as well. And help us to understand, Father, the blessing that we have from that. Continue to guide our lives, continue to direct our steps, continue to protect each of us. Forgive us of our sins, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The reading this morning is taken from uh, Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 10. When Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Our next song is number 874, 874, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, my
At this time, we're here to remember the death and rising of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. We remember this time that Christ died for us, for you, and for me. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says, And then he gave thanks and broke the, broke the bread. And said, Give thanks. He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's go to God in prayer and remember that sacrifice he made for us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. Let us remember that body that hung on the cross for us, Lord, that held the sins of the world, Lord, that knowing we did not deserve it, Lord, but you sent your Son to do that for us. Let us remember that now as we take this bread. Let us take an open heart, an open mind, and full of love, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Go to God in prayer again for the fruit of the vine. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you once again. Remember that blood that was shed on the cross for us, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful for you sending your Son to have that sacrifice for us, for sending the Lamb for us, Lord. Lord, for continuing on being there for us, Lord. Lord, we take this now, remember us of that blood and your Son. Lord, in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. At this time, the elders have also set aside for, uh, we used to pass around trays, but the contribution is in the back in some yellow buckets back there in the back due to COVID. And um, the church does a lot of things here. We, we feed a lot of the hungry. Um, we have a food pantry. 
that we probably give food out. Me, Peg, and Chris are pretty busy giving out food almost every day of the week. And we also, uh, for those who don't know, we also give out vouchers to food fair that help those people with milk and bread and, and eggs and meats, the perishables as well. So a lot of your contribution goes to that as well and the missionary work that we do as well here at, at the church with Moses and, and uh, the Galloways and, and the and this, uh, Church of Christ Disaster Relief. You know, we do so much that, you know, your funds, that's what your funds go to. It helps out those who are in need. And um, the Lord has blessed us with so much. Let's go to God in prayer and give him thanks for what he's given to us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed and thankful for everything you've blessed us with, Lord. Lord, this, this building, the lights we have, this opportunity to a place to worship you, to be able to sing praises to you, Lord, to be able to do this online, Lord, to reach others. Lord, may that continue being our goal in our lives as a church, that we continue on bringing people closer to you, Lord, that they will see your light, become, be baptized in your name, Lord, and become children of yours, Lord. Lord, we, we're so thankful for your church and the many blessings it gives out to our community and the example that it sets for our community, Lord. Continue to be with our elders as they distribute these funds, Lord. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand. We'll sing our next song, number 523. 523. Our God, he is alive. There is beyond the azure blue
Good morning. It's good to see so many of you with us this morning. We are back in Mark chapter 6 this morning. We've been uh, studying through this incredible gospel for the last several weeks now. And we have uh, come to a place here in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30, uh, with a story that you are no doubt familiar with. While you're turning there, I want to express my thanks to you for uh, thinking and praying about my mom this week. Her surgery went very well. She's actually in a rehab facility right now, regaining some of her strength. So I appreciate your thoughts and prayers with her this week. Mark chapter 6. Today, Jesus has just welcomed the disciples back from their uh, limited commission tour as they've gone around to the cities and villages in the area around Galilee. And they have been teaching people about Jesus. They have now returned. John or Mark has told us that John the Baptist has been murdered uh, by Herod, by Herod Antipas. We talked about him last week. Uh, and from that we learned the cost of discipleship. The disciples, the apostles were rejected as they went to uh, the villages teaching about Jesus. John was rejected as he taught uh, Herod Antipas about righteousness and sin. And now the disciples, the apostles have come back and Jesus has another lesson for them. A lesson that you're going to be familiar with because this isn't the first time he's taught them this lesson. But like us, the disciples don't always get the lesson the first time they hear it. And so Mark is going to come back. He's going to revisit uh, the same lesson that he's tried to teach us already. And he's going to do that through the feeding of the 5,000. This is an incredible story. If you've never thought very deeply about this story... There are some pretty impressive implications from this story. Just looking at the event itself that Mark records for us, actually Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this single miracle for us. In fact, this miracle is the only one that all four gospel writers record for us. So when we understand that, our mind ought to be driven to this miracle. What is so significant? What's so special about this miracle. Well, I think there's several things that demand our attention here. But as you think about it, and I want you to go back through and read this passage this week. Spend some time with this. Uh, You've read this passage just like I have over the last however many years you've been reading Scripture. I know you've heard lesson after lesson on 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 this event. I know you've read this story. Read it again. Keep sticking with this story. I guarantee you'll learn something new. I can't tell you how many times I've taught this lesson. And this week I learned several new things. So spend some time with this incredible miracle this week. Let me direct your attention to a couple things that uh, maybe I wasn't aware of until this week. The feeding of the 5,000 is actually a shadow. It's a type. Rick uh, was going through types and shadows in in our Wednesday night class uh, several months ago now. Um, but those are a lot of those are on YouTube. You can go back and look at those, and I think those are worth your time. He's got a book coming out, too, so that'll be worth your time to, to pick that up and, and listen and read through that. But the feeding of the 5,000 is a shadow or a type. It's something that prefigures the, uh, well, manna was a shadow or a type for the feeding of the 5,000. Meaning that when Moses in Exodus uh, fed the Israelites in the wilderness with manna, it was a way of looking forward to this event that we're talking about today. So the feeding of the 5,000 is incredibly important. Uh, God's been looking forward to this for a good long time. 
Let me show you a couple of the things that this thing has in, in common with uh, the, the manna. You'll notice as you read through Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30 uh, this week, that Mark keeps on drawing your attention to this desolate place. They're in the wilderness. We don't know exactly where they're at. If you pull out a map, you're not going to be able to pinpoint exactly where uh, this event happened. A lot of people have their guesses, but the point is that there's nothing here. There's no cities. There's no villages. There's not. This isn't a populated area. This is just the wilderness. We know that there's grass there, so as you're painting the picture in your mind, don't think desert. A lot of times when we think wilderness or, or deserted place, we think desert, right? That's not what this place is. It's just an uninhabited place. It's a place where wild beasts are, no doubt, because it's not populated. Uh, and so as you're painting the picture in your mind, see uh, a big grassy plain where as far as the eye can see, you can't see villages or, or people or anybody else. And as Jesus is walking with the disciples, um, he's actually in a boat taking the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. And it was fairly common in his day to get in a boat and just kind of skim the shore, just kind of skim the shoreline in an effort to get to a place very quickly that was uh, over, uh, over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so that's what they're doing now. And it looks to me like he's just kind of looking for a place um, where they can be alone. In Mark, you're familiar with this. Jesus has people constantly tugging at him. In fact, he only gets to take one nap in all of Mark. That's what we're told. I'm sure he took maybe other ones, but we're only told of one. And so people are constantly pulling and tugging on Jesus, and they're constantly wanting his attention. Constantly he's teaching. Constantly he's doing these miracles. And Mark focuses on this word immediately, time and time again. And the crowds are growing and growing, and more people are tugging and pulling at him. And every miracle takes a little bit of energy away from him. He's just getting exhausted, right? And so... Now the disciples, these, these 12 apostles, they are exhausted themselves after having come back on this, from this very long journey uh, where it was no doubt stressful um, but exhilarating at the same time. We'll talk more about that later. But he wants to hear their stories. He wants to hear how it had gone, and they want to tell them. Uh, if you read through this, this passage this week, you kind of get the feel that they are so excited to share with Jesus the power that had been exhibited through them in his name. And so he's wanting to hear those stories, but to do that, he's got to get away from the crowd. And so he kind of starts looking for this deserted place, and he finally finds it. But the problem is there's a massive crowd that are straggling right along behind him. They see him pick a spot, and they, they get there before he does. And so when he comes up onto the, the, the dry land there, the coast, there's a massive crowd already waiting for him. In fact, 5,000 men strong. When Moses gives the manna, when God gives the manna through Moses here in, uh, in the Exodus account, they're also in a desolate place. They're in the wilderness. Uh, the Sinai Peninsula is uh, very deserted. Uh, it's uh, uninhabited in his day. And so they are in a desolate place. Read that, feel that as you walk through Mark chapter 6. See all these implications from the manna experience. Uh, bread is supplied. Manna literally means, what is it? But it's these little, these little seed things like coriander seeds that the people would uh, mash and they would be able to turn into bread. So bread is supplied in both events. There's also a shepherd motif in both these things, in both these events. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is going to look out at these crowds um, 
And he's going to see them like sheep. But the problem is, they don't have a shepherd. Now, what happens to sheep who don't have a shepherd? Well, they get in a lot of trouble on their own, don't they? Predators can come in and pick them off. Sheep are kind of not the brightest animals, so they can wander off and get in trouble on their own. And that's how Jesus looks at this, this very large group of men, um, along with some women and children, I'm sure. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're in trouble and they're struggling. Well, this is also the case in the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites because Moses himself is a shepherd, right? And as he looks out on the congregation of the Israelites, they also are like sheep without a shepherd. Interestingly enough, when Jesus is going to perform this miracle, he's going to tell the apostles to sit, uh, to sit the people down in groups of 50s and 100s. Moses does the exact same thing when he's breaking the people up into groups here. And so there are some links This is not just an imaginary thing. God wants us to see a link between these two events. And there's some things that we need to learn here thanks to the link between the manna and the feeding of the 5,000. But what is it? Well, this is uh, where, where the manna is rained down from heaven. Do you know how long it lasted? Do you know how long the manna lasted? Could, could you just kind of go over and get like a bowl full of manna and then... You go back and you get your five-gallon bucket full and you can go scoop up manna and you've got enough for a month, right? That's not how it worked. The manna would go bad after every day. And so in the mornings, you would go and you would collect the manna. In the evenings, quail would rain down from heaven so the Israelites would have bread too. or So they would have meat too. And so they would go out in the evenings, they'd get the quail, they'd go out in the mornings and they'd get the manna. Whatever was left over after the day was over went bad. It, uh, it, it spoiled. So this story, the, the manna event, when God rains down manna, when he rains down quail from heaven, this is all about people learning to trust him for everything. That's a lesson Mark's tried to teach us before, right? Do you remember when the apostles went out on their, on their uh, evangelistic journey? He told them not to take a lot of different things, a lot of things that we would normally take if you're going on a long journey. What kind of things do you take? Well, you take your wallet for sure, right? Or your purse because it's got your, your cards in there, your debit cards. Maybe you take some cash. Maybe take an extra pair of clothing, right? Jesus says, don't take any of that stuff. Why? Because he wants you to be completely reliant upon God. He's teaching that exact same thought here in Mark chapter 6, yet again. Thanks to the manna and the link between the manna and the feeding of the 5,000, we know that that's what he's trying to teach us. Because the manna was all about trust. You don't trust God very much if you go out and you get enough manna from, to fill a five-gallon bucket and you think, oh, I'm, just gonna, I'm good now. I don't, have to, I don't have to worry about him providing the next day because I've got enough to feed myself for a month. It would go bad. But that's okay, because guess what? Next morning, you got a whole new set of manna. And so, you're learning to trust God. There's also a link between this story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the Lord's Supper. As you read through it this week, you're going to find Jesus doing some very similar things as to what we've done this morning. He's going to take the bread, right? He's going to bless it, He's going to break it, and He's going to give it to the disciples. That's exactly what happens in the Lord's Supper, right? And so there's not just a link to the past here. Mark's also telling us there's a link to the future 
here in this story of the feeding of the 5,000. Beginning to see why it's so incredibly important. So what does trust have to do with the Lord's Supper? Well, do we, do we trust that He's going to come back? Is that what we're saying when we take the Lord's Supper? It is, right? We have banked our entire future and our current lives on His promises. And in fact, <clears throat> excuse me, in fact, we are proclaiming His death until He returns, right? That's what Paul says uh, that we're doing when we take the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. We proclaim His death until He turn, returns. So that word proclaim is usually an evangelistic word. It's a preaching word. Most of the time when that word proclaim is used in Greek, he's saying that these guys went out and they preached. You're preaching every time you take the Lord's Supper. What are you saying, though? That I believe your promises, that I believe you're going to be faithful, that I believe you're going to be true to your word, and that you're coming again. And so all the sacrifices that I make in this life for you are 100% worth it because you will be faithful. So there's links here in the feeding of the 5,000 to the past as well as to the future, but we want to know what Mark's trying to teach us. Why is he putting it right here? Some of the other gospel writers put it in this same area. But why is Mark putting it right here? You've already found out Mark is a preacher, not so much a historian. He's not so much concerned with you understanding uh, what Jesus did first, second, third, and then fourth. He, he doesn't really care about the chronology so much as you getting his point. Mark wants you to make a decision about Jesus. Who is Jesus and what are you going to do with him? That's what Mark is all about. It's what he's... he's, he's Focused, laser focused on it in this gospel. And so why has he put this teaching right here? Remember last week we talked about John the Baptist. Mark cuts out John the Baptist's story from history and he puts it in this spot to serve his own purposes. I think he's done the same thing here with the feeding of the 5,000. So what's he doing? Why is it here? Well, let's review very quickly what's going on, what we've just learned over the last couple chapters. You remember in Mark chapter 5, some people, we met three people who were in the middle of a storm, incredible storms, right? You've got Legion, the guy who's possessed by a couple thousand demons, an incredible uh, pain, an incredible thing that this man is going through. So much loss, so much pain, so much hurt. Just by being... Uh, having so many demons inside of him. But you also meet uh, Jairus, whose little girl is sick. She's 12 years old and she's dying. Uh, you also meet a woman who's uh, had a, a gynecological issue for the last 12 years. Uh, and she is hurting just as much as the other two. And so Mark's trying to teach us that in the midst of storms, we can trust that God will be faithful. Storms are going to come in our lives, right? And what we do, who we trust in the midst of those storms is going to define us. We talked about John the Baptist and the cost for discipleship. We talked about Jesus walking on 
uh, the water out to the disciples early on in Mark chapter 5. And how there's going to be storms coming up in our life. The cost of discipleship for us is one of those storms. And so what's he trying to teach us right here? I think he's leading up to trust. Trust God. Everything is going to work out. You ever thought about why there's so many men in this crowd? Writers point to the fact that there are 5,000 men in crowd. Why? Why do they draw our attention to that, that little tidbit? In the bulletin article this, this week, I wrote about why I think and why I think I can prove that these guys point out that there's 5,000 men in the crowd. This isn't, um, this isn't a cafeteria. This isn't a, a crowd. This is a mob. These guys are Galileans. Jesus is in the region of Galilee at this point, and political fervor in Galilee has been heating up for the last century as Jesus uh, has come onto the scene. People are caught up in this tidal wave of nationalism. Uh, after the, the, the Babylonians come in and they conquer Israel in 586, about 600 years before Jesus is born, Eventually, the Babylonian Empire is caught up with the Medo-Persian Empire. And uh, then the Romans come in and they take over the Medo-Persian Empire. And so, you can make a pretty strong argument for the last several centuries. Israel has been ruled by someone other than themselves. And they are over it at this point. And so, this nationalistic fervor is heating up and heating up. It's becoming very intense and so if you were to set foot in Galilee in Jesus' day, you would have heard many people speaking about how they hated the Romans, how they were going to kick them out uh, of Israel. And they were just waiting for the long-awaited Messiah to come in so that he could lead the charge. And they think that that's Jesus. In fact, if you go back and you look at John's account of this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, you'll find that this crowd, this mob, was going to try to force Jesus to become their king. You ever try to force anybody to become a king? Seems like a weird thing to do, right? But that's what these guys were going to do. They were going to, by force, make him king. And Jesus slips through the grasps, of course, uh, and, and goes about uh, his business with his own mission. Because his mission isn't theirs, right? They want to kick the Romans out of Israel. But guess what? Jesus' mission is so much bigger, so much broader than the Romans. He wants to kick sin out of your life. And these guys couldn't see the forest for the trees. Now, what does that have to do with trust? As you walk through Mark, you see the disciples especially not trusting Jesus very much. There are times when their trust in Him falters so significantly that he'll look at them in amazement. So why didn't you believe? What happened to your faith? You've seen the miracles, yeah? You've heard the teaching, right? You put two and two together and and you figured out that I'm somebody special or you wouldn't be following me. You gave up everything to follow me, as a matter of fact. What's going on? Why, Why haven't you connected the dots? Why aren't you trusting me? These guys wanted to take it upon themselves to fix the problem. 
They thought they understood the solution. Sometimes we think we understand the answer to our problems, don't we? We want to take it on ourselves and we want to go with it. We want to fix it. There's some things you can't fix. One of those things is sin. I can't fix it on my own. I don't have that authority. I don't have that power. But he does. And if I trust him to do it, if I follow him, then he can fix that problem for me. Now, the interesting thing here is I have to do it his way, right? And so if, if you said a prayer to be saved, I would love to talk to you today. Hit me up on Messenger. Send me a text. If you said that prayer, I want you to show it to me in Scripture. This is not there. I've looked through. I've looked for it. I've talked to dozens of people who have looked for it. It's not there. That's not being saved God's way. If I want to be saved, I have to trust Him to do it for me. And so what's He say that I need to do to be saved? Well, I need to be immersed for the purpose of the forgiveness of my sins. That's what saves me. He's done it. And I've obeyed. Think about the walls around Jericho. It's a familiar story that we're all, we all understand, right? They marched around the walls one time every day for seven days or for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around the walls seven times. What if they had stopped? What if they said, man, five times is probably good enough. Five times around this wall is good enough for this one time, for this seventh day. I think we're going to stop at five. Would the walls have come tumbling down? No. Why not? Because they didn't obey. It's all about trust, right? Sometimes I think I've got the answers. And when I'm dealing with salvation or God's things, spiritual things, religious things, I don't have the answers. He does. And he's even told me those answers. Thankfully, he wrote a whole book full of those answers. And I have it at my disposal. And so I can go back and I can learn what he wants me to do to be right with him. So this morning, are, do you trust him? Are you trusting something else? Something less? Because whatever you trust other than him is less. That makes logical sense, right? The creator of the universe, the one who spoke and light happened, the one who spoke and creation happened anything I trust more than him is less so this morning what are you going to do what do you do with Jesus that's Mark's question for you and that's my question for you this morning what, what do you do with Jesus do you trust him or do you trust something less we remember from the, from the story about the manna and Moses and God bringing down the manna Every day, you can trust Him to supply what you need. In the midst of hard times, what about in the midst of difficult times? Especially in the midst of difficult times. What about when I don't know how I would make it work? Like, what if the manna doesn't fall? What if the quail don't come? What do I do then? You trust, because it's coming. He's still doing this kind of, these kinds of things. He's still worthy for us to put our trust in Him. And He still comes through for people. But we've got to do it His way. So this morning, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to do it His way? 
Are you going to try to figure it out on your own? Pleading with you this morning, don't do it on your own. There's nothing but heartache and condemnation down that path. But if I do it His way, it's very simple, right? Sometimes we want to make it a very difficult thing. Some grand gesture, right? Some very difficult thing. It's very simple. Obey. So what are we going to do this morning? Will you obey His call for salvation? To be baptized into His blood? To have your sins washed away? To no longer be held accountable for those things? Maybe you've already made that decision this morning. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. To walk in a way that is worthy of the sacrifice that He's made for you. If you have any need this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing? song this morning it would be on the overhead only sanctuary sanctuary after this kevin harvey will have our closing prayer
Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, as we come to you once again today, Father, we're truly thankful for everything that you bless us with in this life. Father, we're so thankful for the church here and all the good things that they're doing, Father, in the community, handing out food, helping people, Father. Father, we thank you for keeping us safe the last couple, two or three months, uh, all the bad weather and then the water, Father. Pray that you'll continue to be with us, Father, and help us each and every day and help us to help those people around us, Father. Reach out to them and help them in any way that we can. Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with the deacons and elders and the good work that they do here at the church. Help us to help them in any way that we can. Help us to uh, help those that teach here, Father, with the preschool and all of the good works that are going on, Father. Pray that you'll continue to be with us, Father, with the, the virus, Father, that's really hurting the country right now. That you'll be with those that are trying to Help us, Father, and help us help them to find a cure, Father, if it be thy will. Pray you'll continue to be with all the shut-ins, Father, especially all the older members, Father, that you'll continue to let them know that they're still loved and cared for. Help us to help them in any way that we can. We pray for all those that are on the sick list, Father. You know each and every one of them, and you know their needs, Father. You, we pray that you'll be with the doctors and help them to get better if it be thy will. Continue to be with all those who have lost loved ones, Father, that you'll continue to comfort and strengthen them, Father, and give them understanding. Most of all, Father, we pray for our shortcomings, that you'll continue to be with us, help us to be better people, and help us to make an example in the world, Father, and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.